If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the Goat Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a goat, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubenville, and welcome to another episode of the Goat Consulting Podcast right here in studio in VC Productions in Nashville, Tennessee. We are the Goat Consulting Podcast. We serve it up in a way that you can get it. We're all about the stages of life and career. In our 20s, they teach us to get in the game. In our 30s, we move up in the game. In our 40s, we try to stay in the game because those 30-year-olds are so damn good. In our 50s, the research says we finally ask, what is it that I really want? In sports, goats are easy to see. They're recognized for their greatness. They elevate the play of those around them. But in business, it's people that compete on unique perspective, unique education, and unique experience. What they do gives them energy, and it gives other people energy, creating new levels of challenge and new levels of opportunity. Without question, we've got somebody in studio as part two of our discussion today with Robbie Allen, um, and we're excited about that. And and, and certainly uh, the energy that you've gotten throughout your life is in the game of poker. We're going to talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. John, are you wearing a shirt that says poker today? I'm not. No. But this is one of my favorite brands, Faherty. Love Faherty. It was very intentional. Love their stuff. They have a t- store over in 12 South. They're also online. Faherty. And speaking of energy, uh, our friends at Dev Digital yes. really bring bring all kinds of energy. They bring the, the energy digital energy to Nashville. Yeah, Stephen Davis, how are you, my friend? We miss you. We need to see you. We need a lunch over at Jonathan's again soon. Jonathan's Q Baby's somewhere good. Yes. Tyler's on the road. John is the calming force to our show. Uh, we're going to pick up part two right here with Robbie Allen. And you said you wanted to jump right back into pattern making and poker so many good stuff good things to uh to unpack here if you haven't listened to episode one with robbie please pause go back spotify youtube apple pocket cast wherever you listen uh watch podcasts we're there robbie will be there uh check that episode out um ceo one gi entrepreneur has sold companies and we're gonna i want to talk about and and robbie i want would love for you to help us connect the dots between that moment that you had, as I shared last time, that hangover, Zach Galifianakis sitting at the poker table and all the numbers and you just crushing everybody at the table in your college days to, to pay for college and beyond. And, um, I want you to tie your your history in poker. And, and by the way, well, it was specifically conference attendees. What, what did you call them? businessmen they were businessmen they were businessmen at a conference those guys guys don't know anything and you said something earlier you were talking about LinkedIn so Robbie and I have connected on LinkedIn no surprise to you yeah did he get you on LinkedIn but but listen listen, he's good at that part of that's why we call him the LinkedIn whisperer so I, I try I very intentionally connect with people that that what how did you do it well 
I forget how we initially connected. I mean, I, li- I lean into the LinkedIn guys, right? You know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so when they those. keep putting certain people Poker, you know, in my purview, you need to connect with this person, I listen. Yeah. And this is probably how Robbie and I connected. And then I posted one day about uh, Annie Duke. She's got a new book coming out. Actually, I just got it uh, this week, Quit. It, I had pre-ordered it. It came in, and it talks about the value of quitting. And when I first heard that, I got like this allergic reaction, and I'm shaking, and I'm like, that's not a thing. Like, yeah. I know I will you never can't quit. Do that. And I love how she talks about it and her unique perspective mm. and about the some of the best poker players of all time, the goats of poker, are masters at quitting. Wow. And I posted something on that in LinkedIn, and you – uh, yeah, Robbie completely name dropped, and I'm so glad you did. You're like, yeah, you know, me we and go Annie, way back. we were texting the other day, and and we were taking uh, advantage of businessmen in the 1980s at Georgia Tech. That's right. And I think that's what kind of led to us getting together. I'm like, you can't just post that and not follow up with a conversation. I need to buy you a lunch or something. And so here we are, months months later. And I would love for you to talk about your experience in poker and how that has led to you now being the CEO and entrepreneur along the way and and how and and I guess ultimately leader of people and has helped you in building relationships. Well, first let me clear up any misconception before Andy does. Hold um, on, hold on. Don't let the truth ruin a good story. Yeah. Who says that? Mark Twain. Mark Twain. So Samuel Clemens. That's like me saying I played hockey in college. I basically held the bench and made sure the door opened smoothly for everybody to get on the ice. Um I was I would have been Annie's practice that she's in a different league. Um so and kudos to her for that. She's an incredibly bright woman. Yeah. Um but it's a fair question. I enjoyed so much. Um, she taught me many expensive lessons at the <laughs> poker table. Um, expensive the, lessons with Robbie Allen. Yeah, that's what it turns out to be a lot of times when you're just so sure you've won and there's only one hand that can beat you. And what did she turn over? That hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, Story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, poker is a, is about, you know, we say when you're first learning poker, you, you, you really focus on your own hand. Oh, good. I've got two kings if you're playing no limit hold'em, or I've got, you know, ace king double suited if I'm playing Omaha. But when you get a little better at the game and you start putting all the other people on a range of hands and you get better at narrowing their hand range, you're starting to, to, to game out what other people might be holding and you play the game differently. And then when you get really good, you stop really worrying about what either one of you have and you're playing the person on the other end of the table and the really elite players. That's why you can, if you look on TV they're they've got absolutely nothing in their hand and they get top pros to fold absolutely huge hands. And it's because they're playing the person um, and that you have to drift in between all three of those to play the game really well. And back to my point about the fact that practice um, erodes quickly when you don't practice and you get really bad at any aspect of that. So, but, so you move from focusing on your hand to the other hand to the and person. then finally to the other person. Exactly. Oh, gosh, and that's, that's so business, good. right? Business is a, is a people sport. It's infinite. It's not, you don't win business, you, but Simon you're playing. Sinek. Simon Sinek, thank you. One of the things. He exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, well, exactly. And I think he sort of stole it from 
um, from you uh, the work of Cars. No, he stole it from a guy. I believe his name is Cars. He didn't steal it. He he credits him quite loudly. But what, what is the saying? What did, I didn't hear it. What, is, what was the saying? What did you say? Was Simon Simic? I'm asking John. It's it's an infinite game. It's an infinite <laughs> game. Okay. Yeah. In other words, you can't to... win. You can't win business. Like okay. you can, gotcha, right? Gotcha, like gotcha, gotcha. the overall concept of business, you can't win it. This is is ultimately what he talks about. An infinite game. Exactly. And in poker, at least in cash games, which is mostly what I played, there people can constantly put more. In fact, you want them to put more money in. And yeah, there are do. times when losing is appropriate. You don't want to berate somebody for playing badly but winning. You want to encourage them. You got to go get more money. But what you know is based on patterns and the laws of numbers and math that if they keep playing that way, you're going to get it all back. Mm. And so that shifts your mindset about how you interact with people. Um, and it it gives you the basic game theory because people play, you know, poker has taught me the more somebody reps strength, the weaker they are. The Say more somebody again. reps weakness, the more somebody reps strength. It's the bully code, right? I march in swinging like I'm a Navy SEAL in the bar and I've got my Navy SEAL shirt on and a tattoo and a hat that says, mm. you know, I eat terrorists for breakfast. I'm probably terrified of everything walking around because the only Navy SEALs I've ever met, you would never no. know that they were yeah. a Navy SEAL yeah. um, can I pause, in any form or fashion. Can I insert something there? And I mean, everything out coming out of, of you, Robbie, is fascinating. It could be a whole episode on its own, right? But I, I you know... Connecting this back to Simon Sinek, I mean, he shares this great piece around the Navy SEALs where he talks to um, one of a Navy SEAL who also teaches, and he ta- he asks him, what what makes like, is there a consistency that you see? Like, what kinds of people make it as a Navy SEAL? And he said, well, I can more easily tell you who doesn't make it. And it's almost what you just described. It's not the person that was a D one athlete that uh, has never been tested to their you know, to their deepest core. It's not the person who comes in with muscles stacked on e- all of each other. It's not the person that's a that's a quote-unquote leader and they're delegating everything out. He said the one thing that's consistent about the person, he said none of those people make it, none of them. To your point, you would never know if this person across the table is a Navy SEAL, right? It's the people that at the end of the day, when you're exhausted, when you might have flatlined at some point during the day and it's at the, and it's at the end and you still reach out to help somebody else that's the person and i just think it was worthy it reminded me when you we talked about simon we talked about navy seal and how you never know like there's something about that thread that's really meaningful i, I think it's 100 percent correct i think it's also you know to tie it back to the poker analogy you know very quickly after a couple of orbits who's willing to go all in on a bad bet because their ego gets in the way and you know who is going to quit at the right time and in a different way than quitting for navy seals where they i mean they're pretty relentless but mm. the uh, the ability to walk away or the ability to let your ego get in the way and rely on kind of that false bravado is where you can clean somebody's clock in poker and business and life Really, it's mm. it's an empty space, and you want to try to avoid falling into it yourself. Uh, it'd be disingenuous to say I've never slipped into that hole. I have many times, and sure. I'm sure I will again. Yeah. Can you so, think of an example of that? <clears throat> sure. Absolutely. I mean, probably more often than I want to candidly admit, but 
you know, you sit in a meeting, for example, and, and everybody who works in any form of business at any level has been in a meeting where you're sitting there thinking, God, these people need extra brain cells to find their way out of the room. Why can't they see this? It's as obvious. And you make a case and you bully over the top of a quieter voice. And mm. we do what you want to do. And it fails spectacularly. And then you find out that the person who you were kind of bullying over and bulldozing absolutely was trying to voice a concern that you just squashed mm. that would have prevented you from looking like an idiot. I I'm, I can be counted on that mm. for that particular episode at least a couple times a quarter, um, if, especially if I'm tired, if I'm frustrated, if we're running kind of all out in nine different directions and we just need to make a decision rather than – and I have to force myself to stop and listen. How do you become aware of voices. it? Because I can relate to what you just shared, and and oftentimes it takes somebody like my wife or or somebody with my kids, right? Where it's where it's like this intervention of helping me. And my hope is I can continually become aware of it myself, right? Without having somebody else weigh in. But we all we have blind sides, right? And I feel like I have really great blind sides. Or people that you do a podcast <laughs> with. everybody has blind sides one of my tricks is i i don't i don't invite i insist that if you're on if you're on my team uh, that you hold me accountable to that Mm. that you no matter where you sit on that team that you feel absolutely free to kick me under the table raise your voice remind me and sometimes i think they just enjoy watching me fall spectacularly (laughs) and it's a good little laugh but on the big stuff yeah. Uh, as you build trust, they'll start to pick you up and say, "Hey, I think, I think Sally's trying to say something at the end of the table. Why don't mm. we, why don't we give her another minute?" One of the things I heard you say um, recently was, "Almost all of the time, the nicest guy at the table is the sucker." Can you talk about that? And and you were referring to poker, but I'm just curious again how we might translate that to the world that in business so i think it's actually a fallacy you know when when i think about nice guys at the table there are two different kinds of nice guys one nice guy is the sucker they're just talking they don't really it's a form of compensatory uh, mechanisms to cover up insecurity around not really feeling solid in the game just like pulling a hoodie over your head and putting on dark glasses and trying to shrink away into the chair and hide as though nobody sees anything you do and you've got giant headphones on your ears. They're both compensation mechanisms to not let somebody see what's going on. But at the poker table, generally speaking, the nicer the person is on the other side of the table, the more they are giving away their money because they're not usually paying attention to the signals that are going on. It's really, really hard to engage in nice banter and also collect the information that makes you successful in the room without being obvious about it. There are notable examples who are amazing at it. Daniel Negrano is a poker player who's incredibly well-known, who is absolutely, I mean, just a peach. He is super nice. Mm. It's not that he can't get frustrated, but he's incredibly gifted at listening to what you say. Um, and that he, he uses that information. If you're an accountant, he knows that you're generally a little bit more risk averse and he listen, you know, ask kind of what you do and people just tell him everything. 
and it makes me smile because he'll have people talking about their he'll tease out risk strategy and what they do with their banks and what kind of investment and meanwhile he's scraping pot after pot does poker face it, mean the same thing that it did 20 years ago 30 years ago 40 years ago that it does today has this idea no. of poker face changed like does Layla, does Lady Gaga and Robbie Allen see them as the same thing? She has a song. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, she and I are one in the, the same. Same level. <laughs> She's on the top five. It, it's it's totally different. It is. You know the modern game. Yeah, the modern game. Uh, I think the biggest lesson in poker, as I watch the younger generation come up now, and the game has changed again, is they generally play pretty authentically. And so to who I think they what are. you're to who they are. And that's Daniel's point. Look, I'm a I'm a nice guy. I want to know about people. And but I'm gonna use that to my advantage the way that anybody else would use sunglasses and being silent. Mm. Uh, that's who I am. Yeah. So I need to learn how to play the way that I am. And I think that's mm. that may be the most valuable piece of advice that anybody's ever given me is you gotta figure out how to make it your own. You gotta be play the game in you, not yeah. as Daniel Negrano or one of the more reclusive players out there. I'll not name names. Learn how to play the game with who you are. Yeah. Is that how you set, would say it? That is. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta come to the party as you, you Brene, know, there's no costumes. Brene Brown. And we've talked about her, but she, she did a study years back on the top on the fortune 100 companies. And she said the biggest thing, the biggest consistent thread that I heard from the C-suite, the CEO specifically was we have a nice problem here. And she goes on to talk about the difference between nice and kind and the difference between the two, right? Uh, and how we, we um, defined nice um, in such a way, maybe not unlike what you described, right? Like nice is not telling you that what, even though you ask me as a part of your leadership team to say, hey, I'm, I generally screw it up this way. Um, or if you see something, I want you to bring it. Nice is like, oh, I'm just going to be nice and not share that with you. That's unkind is what she would say. Maybe you can call it nice, but it's not kind. We have a nice problem here, not a kind problem, right? <laughs> or we have a kind that's problem. That's 100%. Nice is just not, not being able to have healthy conflict. Yeah, yes. or, or avoiding it entirely because, yeah. you know, you want to be not. Yeah. not but yeah. D- 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 that's a huge problem in, in companies today. Absolutely. It's, you know, we can define it by a lot of terms, codependent, passive aggressive, (laughs) avoidant. Um, But yeah, those are all other synonyms for nice in the corporate world. Absolutely. I love that you said that. It's, um, uh, you also mentioned, that's just so right on the money, man. Nailed it. Yeah. You also mentioned uh, duality and being able to lean into uncomfortable conversations and, uh, the yin and the yang, right? I mean, what you've, how you've garnered that and what you might call game theory and apply that, how does that play out in your work? I think that we have a different problem in America right now and the world, actually. It, it happens in business as well, um, particularly with young leaders who come, come up and there's a binary problem. For example, in, uh, take an area that should there be guns, if you listen to the political sphere, you're either pro everybody being able to own F-16s and atomic bombs with full automatic anti-aircraft protection measures, or 
you favor the government doing SWAT team raids on everybody's house to take back all their arms and guns and arresting anybody who possesses such an evil device. And there's no other option. And that's it. Right, right. (laughs) And that's just fundamentally Mm. not true. You know, that's it's not. There's this middle ground that most of us agree on. Taking it to a different level, nice and kind. I think most people confuse those two. And I'm a huge believer in kindness. Mm. It is probably the most important thing to me in the world is that I am kind and that we are kind to each other inside of our culture. But again, don't confuse nice and kind. And people can't quite figure out how to take things and tease them apart. There are elements of both in each. And so I'm a big both and guy. If you say my wife is is to the extreme, if you say, do you like ice cream or cookies? She's going to say, yeah, I'm not picking. I like both. <laughs> um, you know, or do you want savory or sweet? Mm-hmm. Both? Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, and so yeah, yeah. I think I now for me, Brussels sprouts and broccoli, neither. I, I always ah. like that option, too. I'd like to have neither in the in the choice matrix. But that concept comes down in game theory because when you want to drive a wedge between a group of people in game theory, what you do is you make every choice binary. Mm. And then you position the choices you want on the side of good. And you position that this is how you win election. Yeah. This is, um, this is what, he, and, this and is what you should be afraid of. And this is who you should blame. It, this is exactly right. This is what's wrong. Here's who did it. Yeah. And here's who's going to fix it. Me. And, and when you think about if we're taking that practically to the audience and, and they're saying, what's the takeaway for me for duality and game and game theory, it's really about leaders and managers get paid to solve problems and make decisions. I mean, what you're really talking about is how they solve problems and make what, what decisions they make. Is that right? I think I would take it a step further. I think managers do that. Yeah. I think leaders have a different job. Their job is to inspire people to think, hold, and do things that they didn't really know they could. Okay. And so I think in a leadership job, it is your role as a leader. And you can lead from anywhere in an organization. Gotcha. You don't have to be the CEO, <clears throat> but it's demonstrating that you can do more than you ever thought you could, but you can also think differently than you ever thought you could. And that that's important. That's the role of, that's when you talk about duality in particular, when you talk about, can I, can we deliver patient care and make a profit in a healthcare company? Oh, you know, it's really bad. Private equity is terrible in healthcare because they're mm. just profit motivated. Gotcha. They are. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. a business. So are physicians and That's right. so are hospitals and so are, you know, I mean, again, <clears throat> but can we do it in a way that delivers accountable care and is best for the patient population? Well, yes, it goes back to one of the first things we talked about in, in this just a few minutes ago. You focus on your hand and you move to focusing on their hand, and then you move to focusing on the person, right? I, I find that at the heart of everything that you're saying. Yeah. Poker, yep. business, taking care of people, <laughs> right? Family, I'm sure it plays all up in, in the same thing, right? And and so it does. Uh, that's a huge takeaway for me. I'm so yeah. glad you shared that, that framework. Yeah. One of the, the ways that we also uh, honor our guests is we, we lean into this, what we might call a segment called The Things We Think and Do Not Say. And it really comes from the movie Jerry Maguire, as I imagine you've probably seen. Um, 
At the beginning of the movie, he writes a mission statement. It's not a memo. He wants that to be very clear. It's a mission statement, not a memo, and it's called The Things We Think and Do Not Say. The future of our business. There it is. And uh, I would I would be really interested knowing the little that I know about you. We could probably have a hundred different conversations and very comfortably probably <laughs> from you <laughs> around something that's, that's, that's we're quote unquote, not supposed to talk about right in life, business relationships. What would you bring up that you feel like the world could benefit from there? Whether it's your family dynamic, your business, how, you know, what are the things that we think and do not say in your world? You know, for me, it's, it's the, uh, it's the family secrets. Um, it, and it, by family, I mean your family of origin, your family at work, your family. When you think about a family secret, it might as well be a 12 foot tall mm. pink giraffe that's bedazzled with Swarovski crystals. <laughs> Everybody knows about the giraffe, yeah. but we all act as though the giraffe's not there. We're not allowed to talk about Bruno. And God, that was a great the, movie, by the way. It just divides. I mean, it it causes so much unhealthy behavior. Yeah. And what everybody finally realizes, like a knee replacement, you know, when somebody finally has it, they're like, God, why did I wait so long? Mm. When you finally get the secret out, what does everybody say? Mm, yeah, we knew, John. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> glad you're finally owning it. Um, you know, so that's kind of the, I love talking about that. And I like trying to create safe spaces for people to do it because we've forgotten how to have tougher conversations about the other one is what, what do I call people you know with the pronoun listings and things and with race and are they black are they african-american are they is they are they a he or a they nobody knows how to talk about that nobody knows what to say nobody knows oh I got it wrong I mm. called Robbie a he and his pronoun is they and for the record my pronouns are he and him but it, it doesn't offend me if you call me they yeah I'm going to say hmm, that was interesting you know, maybe I need to put my pronouns on LinkedIn now. We are so, so easily offended these days, I feel like, as a community than has ever been before. 100%. 100%. And it, it stems from a bunch of that that binary thinking. Mm. Uh, well, if, if John calls me they, he isn't paying attention to me and he doesn't value me as a human being. And therefore, I think he's a bad person. Or if he says Merry Christmas to me and I'm Jewish or I'm agnostic, how dare you say Merry Christmas during the holidays? Uh, you know, 20 years ago, if you said Merry Christmas to me and I was Jewish, I'd say, no, thank you. Or I'd say Merry Christmas back. Right. I don't, I, I don't understand why that would be offensive. And if I said Happy Hanukkah to you and you're Christian, you might say Happy Hanukkah. So family dynamics is probably one of the most – every family's got their own thing, right? Like, I would think and, so. and multiple things, right, that causes the, the experience that – of awkwardness. You know what I found for a lot of years, cause we've got 17 year old for a lot of years, babies are like the best distraction of a family. Like everybody <laughs> will sit and watch a baby and there's like all uh, of those pink, whatever like thing that you described earlier, elephant, giraffe, rhinestones, all the whole deal in the room. There's like 1800 of those things in the room, but there's a baby and everybody's distracted watching the baby. Yeah. How do we create, Let's just talk about family, right? Like, how do you create that space? Because that translates in business and relationships where, you know, let's just talk about the, the pink elephant, whatever, whatever we want to call it, the secrets, as you said earlier. Yeah, I think 
you know, one of the things that it's a it's a silly test, but when you think about these sacred cows that live in families that become family secrets, they don't usually start out as a family secret. They start out as a, a point of conflict or a point of embarrassment or, you know, dad, dad drinks too much, but we don't talk about that or, you know, whatever it is. And instead of making those conversations real, we ignore them because it's usually around embarrassment. Um, I will say that this this young generation of kids has language and verbs for things that I didn't know existed when I was 12. Yeah. You know, my kids come home and talk about, well, that wasn't very empathic, Dad. You know, you should like, wait, what? <laughs> 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 who's teaching you this? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good, but who's teaching you this? Um, <laughs> so uh, when you think about it at its basic, though, one of the things I have all my teams take are the love language test, mm. the apology, um, style, the, the language of apology and the anger style. Sometimes it's simply that it starts by the fact that we talk past each other. And so we're not able to talk about it. You know, if you think about flip it around, make it make it not about the family secret, make it about feeling like you belong in the family. If I like gifts, I love to receive gifts. Please give me awesome gifts. I'm going to demonstrate to everybody in my family that I love them by giving them gifts. My son might not care about gifts at all. He wants right. me to go to the ball with him. Yep. He does not feel appreciated. And that leads to a bad apology when I figure it out because his his apology style is very different than mine. And now we're off to the races. Yeah, Dad it's doesn't just a love spiral me. from there. Now, now we've got the pink giraffe. He's growing. He's yeah. getting some diamonds and all that on him. And <laughs> <laughs> we're constantly making the what I heard and what you were saying. We're constantly making these bids for connection, yes. and without paying more attention to one another and to our own ways in which we make bids that's different from somebody else. Like we're going to be missing the mark, and we're going to miss it anyways, right? Because we're not always paying attention one hundred percent of the time. But if we can raise that awareness just a little, right, for those bids mm-hmm. of connection, like. Maybe that's part of how we get out of those family secrets. Well, that's if you look at the work of the Gottmans, which is the, the Love uh, Prescription. The yeah, yeah they just, their new book, The Love Prescription. There you go. That's I, I completely forgot they put that out, but that's the biggest predictor is how often in that's intimate right. relationships they turn towards each other and respond to a reach out. They a say that's the biggest thing that determines whether or not a relationship can exist in a healthy way is turning toward one another rather than away. And sometimes it's so small, right? It's And I think they even give the example of, hey, look at that blue jay out the window over there, over there right? So the, the the other person in the room could acknowledge that or, oh, wow, that's interesting. What why do you what makes you say that? Or ignore it or, well, that's dumb. Yeah, whatever, right? There's all kinds of ways to <laughs> respond. We could, again, whole other episode on this whole topic. As, as we talk about our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, and our 50s. Yeah, well, you answer that could be very different. All right. We could go on, but we are we are dearly at time. Robbie, we're going to peel one more layer off the Robbie Allen onion here, and we're going to ask you to dive into your Spotify uh, top five Maybe that's the the re, on repeat songs that you would look up there. What what is on that list, and what might it say about you? Uh, let's see on Spotify. Oh, you're gonna or challenge whatever. Me. I gotta, whatever it's on Apple. Just your top five let's, songs that you listen yeah, to that, that get you see. through the get you through here's, the seeing the, here's the pink the, elephant or the, the pink giraffe. The top five cigarette smoker Fiona by the Arctic Monkeys. That's number one. 
Um, Don't Threaten Me with a Good Time by Panic at the Disco. Oh, yeah. Uh, I Live by One Republic. That's Mm, the second time One Republic's come up. Yeah. Uh, Christmas in June by AJR. And then it rounds out with Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. Mm. Man, I mean, I think I'm just kind of boring, you know? Mine is like the Eagles (laughs) and the Who. Yeah. That's really I need to pick what my you, game up. What do you think those songs say about you? <laughs> they say at, at the at the first song says I. By, have by the way, John is an armchair psychologist. I just that's a thing that's coming out here. What what do these songs? You didn't know this was a therapy session. Some days Rob. more than just the armchair. <laughs> what does this What does this say about you, Robbie? Please go on. I think it says I've got I've got a lot of young adults in my orbit. Um, that's piece one for cigarette smoker Fiona. There you go. Um, and AJR it. as well. Um, but no, I I think uh, if we rounded out the top twenty five, it would probably frighten you. So I, I think it's <laughs> it's it's. It oh, go I ahead. Like we got nothing but time. <laughs> well, we got DMX. Um, DMX. DMX is. DMX is four. I, the funny story there is he was when Woodstock ninety nine. When DMX died, my former head of HR called me to wish me condolences. <laughs> That's how much everybody knew how much I love DMX. Oh, I'm listening to it on um, the way home. I love DMX. So Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Southern Cross is on there for you. Okay, now so. I'm starting to feel better about myself. Yeah, thank I you. Know, you got John shames me for the music I'll listen to. <laughs> Well, true. I would never shame anybody it's for it, true. but I, I think it, it means I like good music. I, it means I I value diverse interests. Yeah. I try to stay well, up. That's what I would get, gather from that, from what you said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or I have mental issues that really need to be fleshed <laughs> out. Listen, some, will, of some of both. We will put the bill in the mail to you for this little therapy <laughs> session for today. Please uh, please remit like uh, upon, uh, upon invoice. Uh you know, I was hoping for sure there was going to be, you know, when to hold them and you know when to fold them, but uh, we didn't well. fit that today. But uh, maybe that'll make the top fifty. Uh, s- such a great conversation yeah. with you about poker and this idea of know your cards and the, know their cards and then know who mm-hmm. they are as a person. Thank you so much for for not only coming and spending time with us, but for obviously the amount of investment you make in, in your people. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate you doing that for John Byers and Tyler Burnett and our good friend Robbie Allen, who is somewhere. We're in OHIO. I am Colby Jubenville, and this is the Go Consulting Podcast. Um. Oh.